On this ultra special episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch to Podium, we will discuss the five things that you must watch out for for this weekend's Monaco Grand Prix. And the reason why this is ultra special is because of three things. Firstly, we bring you a special segment, Track 101, the track history of the circuit brought to you by our latest team member, Akash Padra. Then we get a more special preview about the statistics leading up to this event. And of course, more details on our very, very, very special Monaco GP competition with Tuma Motorsport. More on that in this episode. Let's begin. So hello there, my very good friends. Welcome back to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Bits to Podium. My name is Samuel Arora. You might know me from the driving force on Hotstar and perhaps by this stage on the Inside Line F1 podcast as well. And joining me as always is the ex-marketing head of the Force India Formula One team who now works as a motorsport consultant for the VS Sport Network. I've got Kunal Shah here with me. And there's this special buzz here, isn't it, Kunal? We are all just feeling the jitters here this weekend. At last, Formula One is back home. Yes, absolutely. Formula One is back home. And of course, not in my home or your home at Charles Leclerc's home and several <laughs> other drivers. But, you know, I missed Monaco while it wasn't around. So I'm glad that we are back racing at the Principality, as, as it's called. Uh, you know, the tight and twisty circuit of the Monaco Grand Prix. And, you know, I just cannot wait for the qualifying hour. You know, when cars are literally driven in anger around that circuit. And, you know, the, the, the buzzwords for this weekend are going to be how wide these cars are and hence just how much tougher it is to put these cars, you know, up to the paces uh, of the circuit, right? So that's, that's going to be fun to see. And actually, the cars will, you know, be driven more in anger on the Saturday sawmill than on the Sunday, given just how crucial track position is going to be this weekend. Oh, it's going to be critical. This is going to be so much fun. Monaco, of course, is largely a Saturday-based event. And we've also got something special for you on Saturday. So don't mind me as I shamelessly plug probably what's going to be the most interesting thing we've done here on Pitch to Podium for a long, long while. On your screen right now, you can see more information about our contest with Puma Motorsport. And it's a Monaco GP pole position competition. And yes, if you get the pole time correct, you stand a chance, not you stand a chance. If you actually get it correct, you win a rupees 3000 voucher on all of Puma Motorsports merchandise. So you can use it to buy any stuff, shoes, hats, hats that is, jackets, caps, whatever you want to, all of that there. And, and take a look at what I'm wearing. It's another Puma Motorsport exclusive jacket, lovely stuff, brands like BMW, Mercedes, Red Bull Racing, what else? Porsche as well. And of course, Ferrari. So that's there. More information on that in our social media. And the links to that are in the show notes. So check that out down below, Kunal. But the interesting part over here is that Monaco has always been a Saturday favoring track, right? There's always been more emphasis on qualifying. But here the stakes are even higher. Because at last, this big battle between Red Bull and Mercedes... We genuinely don't know which way it's going to go. But who would you put your money on as we enter this home of gambling and casinos and all the riches and luxuries of the world? You know, it's it's very tough to pick. Uh, you know, it's going to be Battle Royale at the Royal Circuit of, uh, you know, at the Royal Circuit of Monaco. It is going to be between Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. And Max Verstappen, of course, doesn't look the most comfortable after today's free practice sessions. Uh, strangely enough, it's the Ferraris and Max's teammate, Checo Perez, who looks really, really comfortable. So 
all in all, it's going to be a very tight battle. And let's remember the battle uh, is only gone even further with the whole flexi wings controversy because, you know, Mercedes said you should check Red Bull's rearing. It's flexing more than it should. And, you know, they brought it up to the FIA. And this weekend, Red Bull has said, OK, if you turn the camera around, you'll see, if, uh, you know, Mercedes's front wing that's flexing as much. So both teams are bringing their best drivers, their best machinery and their best tricks to making sure that they hold a championship advantage. So it's going to be, a, you know, a battle on the streets of Monaco. It's tough to not pick Lewis Hamilton just because of the form he's in the best start ever to his you know career or se uh, to, to a season in Formula One and the likes right and also I'm going to put the counterpoint you know uh, we're all waiting for when Verstappen and Red Bull's championship challenge will actually start and mind you it's supposed to have started almost four races ago but here we are fifth race of the season and we are still waiting for it to have started. Exactly. It's amazing how Mercedes has flipped the switch so quickly. We expected this chase to go on for the entire season, but no, seemingly they are the faster cars. But historically, Red Bull have been good here. And the 2021 Formula One season also prefers cars with a higher rake. And the same can be said for the Monaco circuit as well. But where it actually goes away from the sensible bettors who would put their money on Red Bull looking at the past record and the ideal circumstances is that Mercedes firstly have refound their fortunes, but secondly, Kunal, Max Verstappen has never quite had a very good time at Monaco, you know? He's only outqualified his teammates here twice. And yeah, okay, 2019 wasn't the most representative teammate. And in 2017, Daniel Ricciardo didn't have the best of years. So now, on the whole, Verstappen has never really had the best of years here. And he's had multiple crashes. We remember 2016, we remember 2018 as well. So the tide at Monaco especially doesn't quite seem to be on his side. But luckily, he's not the only driver that Red Bull has that seems to be in good nick today. Yeah, and you know, I'll put it this way. Uh, Max Verstappen needs a very, very clean weekend. And mind you guys, there are no track limits in Monaco for obvious reasons, right? <laughs> so it's, you know, for, and that's actually easy for us as fans, the FI is towards and for the drivers. You exactly know where the track stops, right? So that's, that's one thing taken out of the Max Verstappen equation. And of course, I'm kidding. But Samuel, what appeals to me is, you know, Max and uh, Max and Lewis have actually won races when the other drivers taken pole. They both have pulled off overtakes during the races in the last four races that we've seen. So, yes, he needs a strong weekend. I'd love to see, you know, how close it can get in qualifying because it has been extremely close for the two of them. And, or rather, actually, for three drivers in most cases, right? So, all in all, it's going to be who gets a track position. And mind you, if it is, you know, if it is the driver that doesn't get the track position, I'd love to see how or when an overtake could take place, turn, turn 10 after the tunnel, or if the pit walls could get involved and pull off another strategic move to sort of give track position. Because in Monaco, strategy usually works. Pirelli is bringing their softest compounds uh, the the circuit surface is relayed. It's you know uh, it's far more grippy. That's what Lewis Hamilton has said. The pit lane loss time is just about twenty seconds, but I expect it to be like a one stopper again, unless you know your Mercedes and you're doing something you did back in Hungary twenty nineteen, as now we know it, right? So lots to look forward to for the battle for the podium positions. Even though 
it may well be the same podium trio on the podium. Stacey, you know your tips if you're playing in this weekend's Pits to Podium Grand Prix prediction competition, right? Put your money on Verstappen, Hamilton, Bottas. Not a bad idea. Just a combination that switches around. And, and, and before we go on to the other topics, we shall remember that Verstappen is up against statistically, I'm sorry, statistically, see, it happens well if you say it slowly, statistically the best qualifier in Formula 1 history, Gunal, and Verstappen doesn't have an especially good record with pole positions. This has to be a clear-cut fight. And as you mentioned, the strategic advantage, we shall speak about it more when we speak about Sergio Perez in debt because this is a place where the second driver could come in so handy with the strategy. But it's not them that is causing all the headlines right now. <laughs> it's Ferrari and Charles Leclerc. Goodness me, 1-2 in pre-practice too, Canal. Now, it's, it's not representative by any means whatsoever. But when you compare it to the rest of the midfield, it's a bit shocking considering that I expected Alpine with the low-revving Renault engine. No, low-revving Alpine engine now, shouldn't we say it? <laughs> but, but that's the one I expected to have the advantage because they were really good in the low-speed corners in both Portugal and Spain. But Leclerc is blitzing past everyone. Yes, you know, I'm going to quote Sundaram before we play out his statistics segment, right? But uh, the, the quote is that Ferrari scored a 1-2 in free practice too uh, at Monaco. And the last time they actually had a 1-2 in a practice session was way back in 2019 at the Brazilian Grand Prix. So it'll be fantastic if Ferrari are able to actually deliver on that performance, right? And my mind goes back to Spain because pretty much everyone looked at sector three times in Spain. And, you know, it's been the historical barometer that, okay, if you do well in sector three of Spain, you will actually do well in Monaco. So that's been the, the typical comparison or the reference factor that people are bringing. But I'm going to actually put something up out there. And this could very well be the pits to podium moment this weekend, right? What if Ferrari actually lock out the front row or the front two rows? They lead the race. I could bet that they can actually go for the win of the race because it's Monaco. And no other reason. It You don't need the fastest cars around Monaco. You just need the widest cars around Monaco, typically, right? But, uh, I mean, on a more serious note, this happened at the 2013 Monaco Grand Prix. I was there with the Force India team. Uh, and just to give you guys a refresher, uh, Mercedes stuck it up on pole with Nico Rosberg. They actually drove so slowly that Sebastian Vettel called them the silver buses of Monaco. So could Ferrari do the same thing? Stick it up on pole, use both drivers to get a strategic advantage and then just drive 10, 12 seconds off the pace. We've seen that, right? Daniel Ricciardo had uh, had a gearbox issue and he sort of, you know, stuck it through to more, for more than half the race and won a race. So maybe Ferrari have an outside chance to make something of their FP2 pace. That sounds a bit audacious, but you're right. Mercedes did it in 2013. Now, the pace gap is, of course, larger, which makes me wonder that if not Ferrari... Something something could happen with the Valtteri Bottas, you know. I have an outside feeling that he's been very good in qualifying. He, he's been consistently matching Lewis. I mean, at least by a couple of hundreds of a second here and there. Of course, race pace-wise, there's no touching Lewis Hamilton. But as you mentioned, Gunal, if we do see something like that, who knows which way it could go. More on Bottas in a second because Charles Leclerc and Ferrari. Now, there's this very interesting story doing the rounds, folks, that Leclerc, had a fun moment in pre-practice one before the fun stopped due to a reliability issue. But what happened was that up the hill after Saint-Devot, he saw an apartment with his friends, uh, 
they had the Leclerc flag, the Ferrari flags and everything. He almost stopped, waved to them and continued on with his lap. The interesting part is that that very apartment is owned by his friend. And that is where his first experience with Formula One came to reality. That's where he watched the race for the first time. But history doesn't seem to be on his side here in Monaco Canal for some reason. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Formula Two, both the races, he didn't end up finishing in Formula One. The two races he's had as Monaco, he's not ended up, ended up finishing. Also, I don't believe he's made it into Q3 in qualifying at Monaco. So, you know, lots of small victories for Charles to look at. First, to get into Q3 and then, you know, finishing a race. That in itself is going to be a big thing. And, uh, you know, you mentioned this this heartwarming story about Leclerc's uh, friends uh, and the apartment. And, you know, a lot of drivers, pretty much almost every driver stays in Monaco. So, it's a home race for a lot of these drivers. But the interesting part here for me, Sommel, and this is where Leclerc will probably have a few more extra horsepower than a lot of his his uh, competitors, is Leclerc is a Monaco resident. He was born and brought up in Monaco, unlike a lot of other drivers who sort of, you know, born, brought up elsewhere after racing, making the bucks, you know, went and stayed in Monaco. So for Charles, this is genuinely a home race. And I'm excited to see what he can make of his luck. Hopefully, his bad luck is all gone through with his gearbox issue in FP1 and uh, and, and see if he can actually end up doing a miracle that he is very much capable of in uh, in his Ferrari. Exactly. And he's not just moved to Monaco. No, no, he's not moved to Monaco because of the tax haven or anything like that. He's Monaco-born and bred. But with Leclerc... There is, of course, a discussion about the rest of the midfield, right? What will happen in that case? Where do everyone go? Which team? Oh, wait a minute. I see something on the top right. It's a message from Sundaram. It says, box, box, Sonal. I think he's calling for a stats preview. So you know what? Let's actually head over to Sundaram. Let's speak about the midfield in a second. First, a stats preview, courtesy of Sundaram Ramaswamy, our, our in-house stats guru, right here. Guys, it's time for a little pit stop. So let's check the numbers of the Monaco Grand Prix ahead of Sunday's race. Monaco, as you already know, is a very narrow track and overtaking isn't particularly easy around here. So guys who have started behind the top three grid slots have not won the race in the last 25 years. The last person to do so was Olivier Panis, who started 14th at the 1996 Monaco Grand Prix. A very chaotic race, that one, which he freakishly won. So if you've not seen that race, you should definitely give that a watch. Talking about chaos, the safety car has made an appearance at every race over here since 2009 in some form of the other. I mean, either a full full safety car or even a virtual safety car. So it's been here every time since 2009. And it's going to be interesting to see if it happens this year as well. Let's talk about the championship contenders right now. Monaco isn't Lewis Hamilton's most dominant circuit when it comes to pole positions or even wins. But he's pretty handy around here. He's never retired from a Monaco Grand Prix and he's failed to score points on only one occasion in 13 previous appearances over here. They say Monaco is a circuit that suits Red Bull uh, which suits the Red Bull cars, but Max Verstappen doesn't have a podium finish at Monaco. I think that stat is going to change this weekend, but his ex-teammate at Red Bull, Daniel Ricciardo, has a very impressive record at Monaco. He's had three podiums since 2016, and it'll be interesting to see if he can put that McLaren car in a very dominant position on Sunday. Another person who loves driving around this track is Sebastian Vettel. He's never finished a Monaco Grand Prix lower than fifth, and he's had four podiums in the last five races over here. 
and he's made it into Q3 in every race since 2009. Now, I don't know if his Aston Martin is going to permit him to be up top on Sunday, but I still think that he could make it into Q3 to keep that streak running. If you're talking about Monaco, we definitely have to talk about the local boy, Charles Leclerc. He doesn't really have a very enviable record or at this circuit. He's driven here four times before, twice in Formula 1 and twice in junior Formula categories, but he's never finished the race. He's always retired. So I think he's going to be very, very happy to see the checkered flag on Sunday. Uh, also because Ferrari have a very good record at this circuit. They've had four podiums in the last six, race, six races in the hybrid era. We also have four debutants at Monaco this weekend. Mick Schumacher, Nikita Mazepin, Nicholas Latifi and Yuki Tsunoda. Yuki Tsunoda has never driven at this track in any category. So it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to the circuit and how his race weekend goes through. And lastly, Nicholas Latifi has driven at the circuit seven times before, which has transpired into four retirements and three non-points finishes. I don't think so. He's going to be in the running for points this weekend as well, but it's going to be interesting to see how he uh, finishes this race. Well, that is the stats preview for the Monaco Grand Prix, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Interesting stuff that, isn't it? Good to see Sundaram here in the video and on the podcast for the first time. In this segment, we always read his articles, we always read his stuff. Finally, good to see him right here, isn't it, Kunal? Finally, getting to know all these stats and we shall speak about the four rookies that he mentioned as well. Yes, we should. And, you know, Sundaram, guys, you must go follow him because after the virtual stat man, he is my man to go to for all statistics and he's phenomenal at it, right? So... Talking of the four rookies, since you mentioned Samuel, let's just list them out, right? There was Yuki Sonoda, Mick Schumacher, Nicolas Latifi, and Nikita Mazepin, right? And again, for them, small victories that they look at, like staying away from the barriers, although I think Sonoda and uh, Mick have already found the barriers briefly in you know today's free practice session, but just staying away from the barriers, having a clean race, Seeing the checkered flag will be crucial for them. And of course, I will always look forward to Mick trying to beat Nicholas Latifi and George Russell because there's a lot of pleasure in seeing them do that. And it's been happening. Mick has been trying very hard. Portimao was one place where we saw him get really close. And who doesn't like Mick Schumacher, right? So let's see what happens in that formula. Well, what do we call it, Kunal, now? Formula 1.8? 9 or something <laughs> like that? It, 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 it's... If the, the rising stars over yeah. there, but let's. No, if the Mazepins had the raid, we Formula Mazepin, you know, just so we know. <laughs> Formula Mazepin. Well, if there's anything good for Nikita Mazepin, you can't spin out much here at Monaco. It's more of a crash track than a spin track. So, at yeah. we can get rid of that one. But, but um, I have to state something interesting, right? So, uh -huh. you know, in Junior Formula, there's a rookie class and a scholarship class and a championship right. class and so on. So, you could very well be finishing third in the rookie class, right? But mm -hmm. that could mean finishing 30th in the championship class, right? That's so right. if you were to classify this as Formula Mazepin, Nikita Mazepin could well finish fourth in the Formula Mazepin category. Okay, I know I'm kidding. It's Thursday evening, just having some fun. <laughs> Wait till the Ural Kali guys come and silence out this segment. Hey, jokes <laughs> aside, let's focus more on the topic that we promised that we would do, the midfield. Now, I, I mentioned Alpine, uh, theoretically, was supposed to be quite good here. Ferrari have said, rubbish. They've knocked out all the suspicions, gone there and put something very interesting. But but, I, but I'm but i thinking, Kunal, is this something like what we saw 
what we've seen rather many times in testing where teams put an inflated lap to make the others wary or something like that because honestly ferrari it's only until the last it's only in spain when we saw them really being the top of the midfield otherwise it was all mclaren and in certain cases they were fighting with alpha tauri that was in bahrain so are we really seeing a big ferrari resurgence then what about mclaren and alpha tauri and the likes what about them you know it may well have been that ferrari have actually moved up from formula mclaren as we've seen you know mclaren were pretty much in their own space in fighting for p3 with themselves sometimes with alpha tauri sometimes with mclaren and maybe ferrari and i hope that this is the case in monaco it may be circuit specific that they are actually up there fighting in the top 3 out there right and talking of alpine uh again you know they've they've shown an increase in pace but the most the most interesting thing for alpine is that both their drivers haven't driven in monaco for several races now i think alonso's missed two races and ocon has missed three of the last races in monaco so as expected they literally spent uh, most of today's free practice <laughs> session just you know dusting off the rust off from both their drivers but yes uh you know it is it is it is always going to be the midfield battle that will interest us and there will be strategy that will come at play because you know mind you there have been races at uh, at monaco without a single overtake but i suspect that this race will not probably have that you know like i said pirelli is bringing their softest compounds and that should make for some fun racing this weekend you know what i hope for uh Esteban Ocon starting 16th. We see some rain. Big guys crash out, especially in Ferrari, and he wins. In case this sounds familiar, that's what happened with Olivier Panis driving a blue car, French driver in Monaco when it's raining, getting the win. And we've seen that Pierre Gasly uh, historic event kind of stuff happen with Monza. It could be happening with Esteban Ocon as well if the stars align. But jokes aside, let's see what kind of a battle we see. But speaking of Gasly, Gasly type. heroic wins maybe gasly could be an outsider because we've constantly seen and I was listening to Karun Chandok on Sky as well earlier this morning he said that i expect him to have a good race because gasly has always been up there in qualifying he just needs to go there be more consistent and score points but if he has got the pace kunal maybe we could see him heading the formula 1.6 class so so the class between alpine <laughs> aston martin and uh, alpha tauri that is i suppose yeah 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 that's correct and you know it it is a very close battle that that gap and you know alpha tauri started with a lot of promise this season and then suddenly mm-hmm. it sort of wavered away so hopefully they they are able to bring it back also we spoke about the yuki sunoda hype train when we had lucian on the podcast uh, and the video last weekend so we'll see what that hype train does and another interesting statistic that i actually noticed was that fernando alonso has actually never finished outside of the top 10 when he's completed a race in monaco so again lots of things to look forward to under jeopardy that one uh, esteban ocon has had such a good run i i i get a feeling that this is not going to continue again if it doesn't you will know the man who gets it done instantly sundaram will be right there bringing out the stat to you as soon as possible he's a genius with that follow him on twitter i'm shamelessly plugging him but he's that good you just had a word and you saw how good he is but moving on let's speak about something more interesting that we pointed out early on that is the second drivers now there's a lot that a second driver can do at any circuit when it comes to strategy you can hold somebody up Sergio Perez tried in Portimao but there's acres of space and Hamilton was much faster but that will not be the case at Monaco you could very well 
use the undercut or the overcut to your advantage and try and hold out the second driver, which is why Red Bull signed someone like a Sergio Perez in the first place, right? To give them that two-car advantage when fighting at the very top. But as I mentioned earlier as well, Bottas is a very good qualifier. Perez has shown good momentum. I think that these uh, quote-unquote second drivers are going to have a very good run here this weekend. And finally, we could see that narrative switch around. Maybe it's not going to be a two-on-one Two Mercedes versus one Red Bull. Mine. Maybe we could have a two-on-two at last canal. Yeah, that's uh, that's again the Mercedes. Sorry, that's again the Red Bull story. We are all waiting for when both the Red Bull cars are in the fight with both the Mercedes cars. But speaking of Checo Perez, right? Uh, he needs to have a good qualifying session for two reasons. First, Helmut Marco, and I don't need to explain that, right? And second, more than anything else, is the fact that remember, you know, he's. He's usually clawed back a lot of those positions in the race after being out of position and qualifying. But come Monaco, he may not be able to do that, you know, to make all those overtakes and finish higher up the order. So the least that he needs to do and he can do is just stick it up there next to Max and just run the race, be there if Max is, you know, needing him and support Max's race win if he can. And you know, if he if he carries the FP1 pace into qualifying in the race, who knows, he might well be P1. And that's going to be a brilliant uh, start to Checo Perez's recovery at Red Bull as well. Exactly. And who would not want to see that? There's a real chance. See, that's the thing with Monaco, right? When you come into the weekend, there's this bus, there's this excitement. Don't, don't say that it's a bad track. It's a bad track or if you have a bad car. Formula E showed that last time on. What a stunning race it was. But I'm not here to tell you that Formula E is a better series and has more good racing. It's better, more exciting. Sometimes it is. But all I'm saying is Monaco always does not produce a bad race. We could see some fun narratives. If not a fun race, maybe some fun stories coming out of it. So focus on the good. Look at the bright side. And many teams have looked at the bright side, Kunal. They've come up with some really special liveries and helmet designs and whatnot. So... I think our listeners already know which ones is which. I think the star headline is going to be the McLaren. But if you had to choose between all the special changes, which one would be your favorite? Oh, it has to be McLaren's special livery. I think they've they've floored it, you know, with their unveiling and with the video they made with Lando Norris and and the likes. And it's it's good to see the positivity around McLaren as a brand, as a racing team. They've 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 extended Lando Norris's contract. And lots of lots of fantastic momentum that's being built for the team. And trust me, it's hard to look away from such a vintage and such a nostalgic livery that most people from the world of motorsport, not exactly. just from the world of Formula One, relate to. Exactly. And, and, and the most beautiful part was that this kind of livery grows on you. So all of our uh, team members that pitched the podium, we were having a meeting uh, at the same time. And then we watched the live stream together. We said, ah, rubbish, it, look bad. it looks bad. But then eventually we, we sort of get used to it when you see on the track. And it's a beautiful one. But uh, very briefly, for one second, Kunal, uh, I have to discuss this point with you. It may not be the most relevant one to Monaco as such. But how pleased are you to see Formula One sort of relaxing the record on special liveries? Because in the last three years, we've seen three of them now. Mercedes with Hockenheim, Ferrari with the um, Mugello Grand Prix, now McLaren with this one. Okay, both of the two teams did not really have the best of luck when they ran their special livery. Mercedes, we all know, it's been stapled up and it's been framed up in Drive to Survive. But still, it's it's a very good marketing exercise that I think Formula One has learned from, say, something like an IndyCar or, or even NASCAR for that matter. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I think they were more relaxed when it came to team liveries, but it was the driver helmets designs that were banned. So I'm glad all of that is relaxed. Uh, you know, some may call it a waste of money and time, you know, but, you know, like you said, it's a great marketing exercise. And if it works for them and it works for the sport, why not? Right. And I'll I'll also put it this way, Somil, that beyond the point, I don't really care about liveries and I just want them to have oh, great, great on. cars. I mean, I, I, I was involved in livery design at Force India and, you know, we tried playing around with it a lot. And I said, OK, let's spend this time elsewhere and making the car go quicker. Of course, marketing staff can't make the car go quicker. I have to admit, you know, but uh, that said, no, no taking away from the livery that, uh, you know, McLaren have brought to, you know, brought back to life with Gulf especially at a historic race that's making a comeback and there are going to be fans in the stands and, and the likes. And there is a lot of history to Monaco, Sommel, as, as you and I already know, right? And to me, you know, I, I'm just, I'm excited. It's not like the one of the greatest circuits out there, but mm -hmm. it is just so good to see drivers do their thing, especially in qualifying. And, you know, then you have all these, you know, uh, you have all these technical challenges to the cars. And, you know, I was reading one of Mercedes statements that at the hairpin, when the drivers, you know, do a 180 yep. degree steering lock, they actually sometimes can trigger a, a button change, you know, unintentionally, right? And to actually, it's to, to safeguard the drivers and the wheel settings and so on, they actually have specific guards in place on the steering wheel and th that's the depth to which formula one teams actually plan their racing weekend in monaco and then of course you know we've got the obvious ones the the straight line speeds as are n nowhere as close to what a formula one car can do uh, i think mm. you know i i remember i'll be interested to see how a driver like kimi raikkonen copes with making you know button changes uh on, on his <laughs> wheel and of course i'm making a reference to what he did in one of the previous races when he you know drove into the back of antonio giovinazzi but you know the the main straight as we call it is about five seconds and then the tunnel takes about seven seconds even then you're at full speed mm. turning and so on so lots of fun challenges for the teams and for the drivers this weekend so it is it is going to be an epic weekend uh, you just reminded me of a very interesting coincidence because 2008 uh, kimi raikkonen was driving a red car this time he's going to be driving a partly red car at monaco going into the back of a team that uh, is team that operates in silverstone used to be Force India, now is Aston Martin, has a German driver behind the wheel. At yes. that point, he had Adrian <laughs> Sutel at the Nouvelle Chicane. Guys, Sebastian, my friend, watch out in a rearview mirror. You just want to make sure they're not stuck behind Kimi Raikkonen. But, but jokes aside, that that's, is all that can happen in the midfield. But uh, a quick word on Williams, 750th Grand Prix. Wow. And the family may no longer be involved. And you have to listen to Jos Capito's interview uh, on Beyond the Grid after this one is done, of course. Don't leave. Uh, and he says how much of an honor it is, how much of a privilege it is. And you really understand, you really mean what Williams is all about. Good to see them having special helmets with both Russell and Latifi. By the way, Kunal, did you do the race counter thing? How many, how many races have you been a fan of Williams for? There's this wonderful platform that they launched, which allowed you to tell how many races have you been a Williams fan? I got something like 250 or something like that. 
I I got almost a double of that. I think 459 <laughs> or 469. And for those of you who actually have subscribed to our newsletter would have actually read about this exactly. earlier in the week where I also stated my race number, but I honestly used it as I you know when I became a fan of Formula 1 because I was pretty much a Williams fan from the first day I saw uh, a Grand Prix as well. So but yeah, it goes back to like 459 or something to that effect. Yes. Exactly. And finally, a word on special liveries as well. Charles Leclerc has thrown back a special helmet to Louis Chiron, 1931 Monaco Grand Prix winner. Uh, you might be asking, is that the same Chiron that Bugatti made their car on? Yes, that's the same Louis Chiron. Again, the last born and bred person out of Monaco to win a Monaco Grand Prix. That was Louis Chiron. Let's hope that Leclerc is able to do something similar. But now, I can't wait to share you what we have with us. Our, our colleague... Akash, he's just joined us in the Pits to Podium team. He's come up with something special. It is the Racetrack 101. The first time you're going to be seeing this, but not the last. So let's get to Akash. Let's see what Monaco is all about and what makes it so special. Here you go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the segment Racetrack 101. My name is Akash, and today we'll be looking at the Circuit de Monaco. Circuit de Monaco was the brainchild of Anthony Nohes. History tells us that the iconic circuit has been welcoming racers since 1929. The layout of the circuit hasn't changed much over the 90 plus years that it has hosted Formula 1. Its narrow 19 corners have more history and stories than many of the car manufacturers that have raced on it. The Monaco Grand Prix is termed as the crown jewel of the Formula 1 calendar due to its street circuit vibe and the high baller society that it attracts over the race week. It is also a part of the famous Triple Crown of Motorsport. The track has the ability to differentiate between the greats and the truly legendary. Speaking of legendary, Monaco is one of those circuits that have helped write the legend of Ayrton Senna. Senna has won the Monaco Grand Prix a record six times, and it would have been seven if not for the red flag at the 1984 Grand Prix. I highly recommend watching his onboard lap from 1990 where he takes his McLaren round the track, controlling the car with one hand at times. The most successful team on the track has been McLaren, who have won the Monaco Grand Prix a record 15 times. Given Monaco's tight, twisty nature and every driver's deep desire to win it, it's a race in which being on the limit or a little over it can have serious consequences over one's race result. And of course, if I start mentioning all the crashes at the Circuit de Monaco, this will definitely become a two-hour long segment. However, I did pick five crashes that have changed the course of the race in Monaco. But that's like naming five of Charlie Sheen's many sexual partners. So, here's my pick. 1988, Senna crashed into Poitiers while he was comfortably leading the race. In 2004, Michael Schumacher crashed into Juan Pablo Montoya whilst being behind the safety car. In 2004 as well, Jaguar racing stunt of putting a diamond worth $400,000 on the nose of their car. They ended up losing it when Christian Klein crashed and you guessed it, nose first. Then of course, Schumacher at La Rascasse in 2006, one of his many controversial on-track moments but I'm leaving the best for the last. In 1950, waves from the Tyrrhenian Sea crashed into the circuit and caused a huge carnage which wiped out nearly half the field. 
As you tune into the race this weekend, there are two things you need to remember. First, the corners at Circuit de Monaco are named after the man-made structures around them, like swimming pool, because there's a literal swimming pool around the, around the corner. Tabac, for the corner, had a small tobacco shop. The tunnel, because that's what it literally is, a tunnel that drivers race through. The second thing worth remembering is Formula E's recently concluded Formula E Prix. The race was a proof that overtaking was possible on the streets of Monaco, but with the right cars. So that's it from the classrooms of Racetrack 101. See you guys at Baku. So good. So good to watch Akash in that role. So good to hear some of the interesting stories. And we may not have a tide coming up and washing over the circuit this time, Arkunal. <laughs> there are other more interesting technical challenges that the whole teams and drivers could be facing here. Oh, yes, absolutely. And by the way, interesting debut for Akash. You know, I'm sure he'll remember the Monaco Grand Prix uh, for the years to come. It is probably the easiest race to also make a debut at, given just so much history, you know. And like, exactly. I, I'm glad it wasn't the Valencia race, you know, that we had a few years ago. <laughs> we would have struggled to get past like 30 seconds of history. But... Talking of the technical stuff, yes, you know, lots of strategy unknowns this weekend because first time Pirelli are bringing their softest tire compounds to a Grand Prix weekend in 2021. Uh, the safety car probability is about 89%. Uh, that, that's there. And like I said before, a 20 second long pit lane time loss as well. So lots of undercuts and overcuts, like you said, Somil. And to me, the one thing that stood out the most when I was doing my technical research is at Monaco, drivers don't end up using the eighth gear because of the fact that they don't go over a 300 kilometer per hour on, you know, typically, but they end up using the first gear, which is, of course, you know, you know where you guys should know by now where they would use the first gear. So, Interesting bits and pieces about Monaco that just make the weekend so much fun for me, Samuel. Exactly. So interesting. That's the beauty of Monaco. So, Kunal, so let's let's actually do this. We have the liberty of publishing this out on a Friday instead of a Saturday morning. So we can speak more about qualifying. And, and largely, qualifying could be the race, considering how things have historically panned out. The stakes are high at Monaco. Now, some may say the stakes are high and the higher rakes are the ones that could be beneficial, whatever. I try doing something I feel, but who would you put your money on if you had to gamble like the Monegasques who live nearby? Who would you put your money on this weekend? Um, I would say Hamilton for pole and Hamilton for race win. And he's only going to extend his championship advantage by maybe eight points this weekend. And then you know <laughs> what I mean. Exactly. I'm going to go for something spicier. I say Sergio Perez is going to be the winner. But who is your winner? Tell us that in our Pits to Podium Grand Prix Prediction Competition. And if you're a resident of India, do take part in our Monaco GP Pole Position Competition. Links to our social media channels where all the information is available down in the show notes. But Kunal, lovely to speak to you over here this one. Lovely to have Sundaram and Akash's inputs too. I said it's an ultra-special episode, and I hope all of you enjoyed watching it and listening to it. Likewise, Somil, thank you very much. Look forward to recording the post-race video with you on Sunday. And that's when we'll see you guys next. Exactly. See you, folks. Bye-bye, and have a good weekend. Bye-bye.